Welcome to the podcast of C3 Church with today's message. Amen. So let us rise up and build following the fundamentals of Hebrews chapter 6. And we're going to be talking specifically about laying on of hands today. But let me do a little recapitulation because I want to catch you up to speed because the first fundamental doctrine is called repentance of dead works. The word repentance is a, is a strong word, but it is a word that sometimes needs to be clarified in the church because you can't be saved without repentance. You have to repent first. You just can't receive a prayer without repenting. The word repentance is uh, metanoeo, and the word meta means movement or change. Nieo means refers to the disposition of your inner self or your default setting towards reality. So when you summarize those two words, it means to change your disposition towards life and reality, to have a transformed default setting about what's important. See, before you got saved, your default setting was to do everything that your flesh wanted to do. Amen. No matter how hard you try to do right, you're like Apostle Paul. When I want to do good, evil is present with me. Right. Even today, as Christians, you want to do good, but <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. Am I talking to the right church? Huh? Oh, y'all just operating holiness every day, all day, huh? Amen. So let me. I'm guess I'm preaching to myself. So, so when John often want to do good, there's always evil present with me. I, I want to bless people, but some little voice saying you ought to slap them, not bless them, and uh, cuss them out. You don't need to just tell them that you love them. Amen. Somebody. And so there's always this, this flesh that's trying to, to get your attention, that's trying to take you back to where you used to be. And so repentance from dead works is the start of everything because it removes you from sin and puts you in a place where you can go towards God. Amen. Amen. Right? And so that's what repentance is all about. And so let me, now I got a little slide here for you. Um, uh, repentance from dead works. Genuine repentance is an outward manifestation of an inward work. Right. You're seeing that. And so there is an inward work that goes on on the inside of us that we have an outward manifestation that the things that we used to do, we don't do anymore because of this inward work. See, the Holy Ghost is on the inside of us, changing us, rearranging some things, making us think right, act right, talk right, live right. And so the people we used to be with, maybe we can't be with them anymore. The places we used to go, maybe we can't go anymore, anymore because there's an outward manifestation that happened because of an inward work of the Holy Ghost. That's genuine repentance. That means that something has happened on the inside of us. That's why Apostle Paul says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That he takes us from something to something. And then once he takes us out of sin, then we go faith towards God. Because you got to come out of something so that you can move towards something else. God would never take you out of something without having something else for you to go into. He took us out of the kingdom of darkness so he can place us into the kingdom of his dear son. So he takes you from something to something. God always has something better for you. So once you repent of your sins of dead works and dead things that's in your life, stuff that you thought was working ain't really working and you know it's not working, but you make excuses for it. Dead works, that's a dead work. Going to church can be a dead work. You're just doing it because of religious 
Calisthenics, you ain't going because you're getting something from God. You're going because somebody told you to come. That's dead. That's a dead work. And you need to repent of it today. But then once you repent of it, then you have faith towards God. You begin to move towards Papa. Why? Because now you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. And now he accepts you as his son and his daughter because you are ready for more of his, his, his inheritance. Everybody seeing this with me here? Amen. Are you sure? Okay. So Colossians says we are delivered or we are rescued from the powers of darkness. And then we are translated. See, he brought us some from something. And then we are translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Then he takes us to something. See, he didn't just take us out of sin and out of the world without placing us somewhere. Oh, glory to God. He just didn't leave you to your own devices. Uh, I think that's good news. Amen. So faith towards God. Once we understand that Jesus is the visible expression of an invisible God, and we come to realize that without the propitiatory work of the cross, we are completely void of purpose, power, and perspective. Completely void. Without God in your life, you have no destiny. You can, you can be successful from the world standpoint. You can have money from the world standpoint. You can, you can have uh, fame from the world standpoint. So how do you explain how all of these movie actors overdose? They got all the money. They got the houses. They got the prestige, but they're still void on the inside because they don't want God. Everybody has voids in their lives that only God can meet. There are things in the lane I was never meant to meet as her husband. Only the Father in heaven can meet those things. Everybody has a level of, of voids and, and brokenness and, and things inside of us that only God can meet. And we got to move towards God, man, but it don't start unless you repent. Faith is not a matter of placing hope in the unknown or the unknowable. It begins with the settled view that God exists. In other words, faith is two things. It's evidence. Come on. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the not seen. So faith is substance and evidence. It is not blind. It is not unknown. It is not unknowable. Your faith gives relevance to substance and evidence. Why? Because with your faith, you are able to be determined about what God has for you to do in your life. So by faith, not by sight, by faith, you move out even though you don't know where you might be going. You don't have all the answers yet. God hasn't given you all of the specifics yet. He just gave you a piece of the puzzle, and he gave you the box. Does that make sense? How many of you love puzzles? I love to put puzzles together. So you have a piece of the puzzle, but you don't have all the other puzzle pieces. All you have is a box to look at. And so you have to look at the box to see where the puzzle piece goes. And so that's why you got to keep your eyes on Jesus so you can see where the puzzle piece goes. And the moment you take your eyes off of Christ, that's when you mess up because you're trying to put a puzzle piece where it don't belong. You're allowing people to attach to your life that don't need to be there. Ooh, that bald-headed rascal is on fire today. Faith. 
Faith is living through his son. That's faith. It's not blind. It's normal. Everybody operates in faith. Everybody. I don't care who you are in this church. You have faith in something. Uh, let me prove it to you. Um, your car is on E. <laughs> it's on E right now in the parking lot. And you're just hoping that it don't, that the sun don't get to the car to where it evaporates. <laughs> so when you go over there to QT, right, you, you, are you with me here? And you take that pump and you put it in your gas tank. Do you ever think, hmm, I wonder if this is actually gasoline. Do you ever think that? How many of you just think that? How many of you think that, is this really water? Is it Kool-Aid? Is it sweet tea? Right? Because normally, you don't even think about it. Because the last time you were there, it was gas. So because you've done it before, and it worked, you have faith that it's going to work. Because I have trusted God before, I can trust him now because he's worked in my past. That's faith. Because I trusted him with my life, I trusted him to keep me off of that alcohol bottle. I trusted him to deliver me from cancer. Now because I know him to be a healer, I have faith that he is a healer. Wow. Amen. It's not blind. You know that you had to have faith about something that God brought to pass. So you can trust it because every day the sun comes up. You never wake up in the morning thinking, hmm, I wonder will the sun rise today. You trust that it will. Why? Because it's risen since you've been born. And because you saw it every day, you didn't have to have much faith that it was going to come. Good gracious of life. Because I love Papa so much and he's done so much in my life, I don't have to have a whole lot of faith that he's going to do everything he said he's going to do. Why? Because every day of my life, the sun rises. Prove God is real, you prove that he isn't. I don't have to prove that he's not real. You have to prove to me that he's not. Oh, oh we came from monkeys, really. Where, wow, they're still monkeys. I, they should have all evolved by now. Why did they stop? Faith towards God. You got it? Okay. All right. Now, the third one is the doctrine of baptism. Notice it's plural. There's more than one baptism. So let me explain this very quickly, and then we're going to transition. Amen? The first baptism is you are baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. First Corinthians teaches us that. I'm not going to get into that right now. Because you got to go back and listen to the, uh, the podcast and you can catch all of that. So we're first baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit. The moment you say you repented of your sins, you said, Jesus, come into my heart. I confess my sins before you. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and, you, and he lived for me, he died for me, and forever lives for me now, making intercession for me at the right hand of the Father. When you receive Jesus Christ and the propitiatory work of the cross in your heart at that very moment, you are baptized into the body of Christ. 
That's the first baptism. The second baptism could be either water or baptized with the Holy Spirit. So water is what we're going to do later on today, baptized in the water. Jesus got baptized by John. It is an identification. It shows the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ because when we take you under the water, it's like that you are being in the tomb like Jesus Christ. He was not seen. But then when we bring you up, we bring you up with all resurrection power so that you can identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's baptism by water. And then the third one is baptized with the Holy Ghost. That comes from Jesus Christ. That is, a, I call, a second level of grace that you can receive. Uh, Jesus called it the promise of my Father. Uh, when you go over there to Luke chapter 24, verse 49, I'm talking fast, but you got to listen fast. Luke chapter 24, verse 49 talks about being endued with power from on high. This is something greater than just being saved. This is receiving something greater than that, that you also experience an evidence, another evidence of hearing a heavenly language. But it's not so it's not just speaking in tongues. It's also power It's speaking with boldness. It's about prophesying. You're full of the spirit. And when you're full of the spirit, you're full of his authority. Therefore, you can do things that nominal Christians can't do. Because they're too scared. So the Holy Spirit empowers us to do greater things because there is no fear in God. Amen. So those are the three baptisms. And then the, the, the fourth one is laying on of hands. Right. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So I want to transition a little bit here. For most, the laying on of hands has become an antiquated gesture. Uh, we don't talk about laying on of hands much uh, or an archaic tradition or purely a ceremonial practice, laying on of hands. I know a lot of times when I have discussions with people, uh, they think that laying on of hands is a Pentecostal thing, not understanding that it's a Christian thing because it's part of the fundamentals. So if it's part of the fundamental doctrines, then I think we need to know more about it. And if this is a part of us moving to, on to maturity, then we have to mature in this particular doctrine. Amen. This is why one of the fundamental things that you will learn from a church that's, that's, that's headed by uh, an apostolic call is there's always strong doctrine. Always. That you will always get the doctrine of the word of God. That's why we're into this right now. Now, there is a difference. There is a difference, saints of God, because not every laying on of hands in the Bible is good. <laughs> there, there is a difference between laying on of hands to inflict danger than laying on of hands to move and operate in what God says that we should do. Amen? So I just want to make sure that when you read in the Bible, all laying on of hands in the Bible was not good. There are some people who lay hands on folks they shouldn't have. Right? So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, doing it according to the scriptures so that God will get the glory in the end. Not man, not the person who's laying on of hands, not the person who got hands laid on. But God must get the glory from it all. Now, this is a fundamental principle, saints of God. So laying on of hands is vitally important, and it was also in the Old Testament. This is why I took you back to Genesis chapter 48, because it started right there. Right? And so I want to talk a little bit about Jacob. Jacob, of course, his name changed to Israel uh, by this time. He was practically blind. We read the scriptures. He couldn't see well. Um, and so when he found out that Joseph was still alive, he was very excited. He was not only excited that Joseph was still alive, but that Joseph had two sons. So not only did he find out, man, my son that I love so much is alive, but now I find out that I have some grandsons 
that I never knew about. And so it was the custom of that time that the grandfather or the father would lay hands to leave a blessing on the sons. Amen. Are you, are you with me here? So because of his lack of vision, this is what Joseph did. Let's just say I'm Jacob. This is his right hand. This is the left hand. Now, when we read in the scriptures that what Joseph did, he put the oldest boy, Manasseh, on the right side of the bed. Amen. And he put the youngest boy, Ephraim, on the left side. Why? Because your right side is called the hand of authority or the hand of power. So everything to the right side, you pretty much have authority over, and you can leave the, the higher blessing on your sons or your children. That's why the oldest son was always blessed by the right hand of the father. Is this making sense? So everything to the right of you, you have authority over. Are you, are you hearing me? Everything to the left of you, you normally do not. That's why Jesus put the sheep on the right side. He put the goats. Why? Because the sheep listens to his voice, but the goats are, are always backbiting. Y'all got that right? Jesus is at the right side of the Father. Why? Because he has the authority of the Father. In a wedding ceremony, the wife is on the left side of the man until they kiss and switch. Once they turn, then she is on the right side of her husband. At least that's the way it's supposed to be. If I marry you, it's going to be that way. Amen. Is that, is that making sense? Right? So he put, because Jacob could not see well, Joseph thought, I'm going to help out God. So he put the oldest boy at the right side of the bed and the youngest boy at the left side of the bed. Now, let's look at Genesis 48. Then Israel, who is Jacob, stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hand knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. So now, so this is what happened. Instead of Jacob laying his hands on the sons like Joseph wanted, he crossed them over. Somebody say crossover. So in essence, saints of God, even though Manasseh was the next one in line for a blessing, the blessing crossed over to the younger. So the last shall be fair. Come on, somebody. So, so there is a crossover that takes place with God because God doesn't care about man-made traditions and customs. See, God will cross over on you and that the people that said that you'll never be anything, God said, cross over. The people said that you'll never have the building, God said, I'm crossing it over. He said, I'm crossing that blessing over because you don't have to be in the right place at the right time. You just have to get to the right God. Now, something, something is powerful about this because Ephraim and Manasseh's mother was an Egyptian. So they were outside of the covenant. So for Jacob to lay his hands on them in the first place was extending mercy to them through the cross. Come on, somebody. 
And so because they were outside of the covenant, Jacob said, whose name is Israel, prince with God, said, I'm going to take them to the cross so they can come into my blessings and inheritance. So you might think that you're not next in line for a blessing, and God says, I'm crossing that thing over. You might see somebody that's doing some things that are great, and God said, no, I'm crossing it over. You're going to be the one. Come on, somebody. Are you seeing this thing with me? And so Ephraim was, wasn't next in line for the blessing. He wasn't qualified to receive a blessing. He was no doubt brought up under the wrong lineage or the wrong family, or let me bring it to today's times, on the other side of the tracks. Ephraim didn't deserve to get blessed. He didn't expect to get blessed. But thanks be unto God, who always causes us to triumph in Christ, because through Christ and the cross, we get the blessing and inheritance now that's due to his name and what he did on the cross of Calvary. Somebody say crossover. Say I'm crossing it up. You're next in line for your healing, saints of God. You're next in line for your deliverance. Come on, somebody. You're next in line for your breakthrough. You are next in line for your promotion. You are next in line for unprecedented favor. Come on and clap your hands for Jesus and shout, I'm next in line. The crossover blessing says, but you meant for evil. God will cross it over and turn it for my good. The crossover blessing says the weapons may be formed, but the crossover says they shall not prosper. The crossover blessing says that the enemy that comes after me one way shall flee from me seven ways. Somebody shall crossover. We need to start prophesying to our situations and cross it over. Say, cross it over. Say, cross over into your anointing. Come on, somebody. Cross over into your authority. Cross over into your destiny. Cross over into your inheritance. Cross over into your faith. Cross over into your prosperity. Cross over into your power. Cross over into your purpose. Cross over. See, because of the cross of Calvary, guys, we were outside of the covenant. But because God, in his tender mercies, he said, I got a cross for you. And I'm crossing it over. See, you are outside of the covenant. He said, but I'm grafting you in. Come on, somebody. And now we used to be orphans, but because of the crossover, now we're sons of God. Hello, somebody. See, we used to be an unblessed people, but because of the crossover, now we are a blessed people. See, we used to be a people who didn't have favor, but because of the crossover, now we have favor. Come on, somebody. We used to be people who are outside of the will of God, but because of the crossover, now we're inside the will of God. We used to be a people who couldn't get in contact with God, but because of the crossover, now we can get all of God. Come on, somebody. Talk to me. Somebody shout crossover. He's crossing it over in your life right now. It's called a turnaround anointing, that he's crossing things over right now, that the enemy thought he had you, but God says, I'm crossing that thing over. See, he thought he had you with your health. He said, I'm crossing that thing over. You thought he had you with your finances. God said, I'm crossing that thing over. I got finances that you don't even know about, devil. I will bring water from rocks if I have to. I will split seas if I have to. I will make the rain if I have to. I will make the mountains melt like wax if I have to. Come on, somebody. 
I will break open a jail cell to get the two of my people because of the crossover. Woo! He's crossing it over, saints. He's crossing it over. See, I don't, I don't have to beg and plead and prod because I'm part of the blessing of God. He crossed that thing over because if you looked at my life and the way I live my life, you would think I shouldn't be blessed like I am right now because I'm a blessed man right now. Why? Because God, through the crossover, brought me over into the kingdom of his dear son. Somebody say crossover. Yeah, you're crossing it over. 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 You think you don't have a peace of mind? Cross it over. Cross it over in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Cross it over. Cross it over. You think the devil is getting the best shot? No, he's not. He's not. You're still standing, aren't you? Aren't you still standing? He tried to take everything he could away from you, but you're still standing. He tried to do everything he could to keep you from coming to church, but you're still here. Somebody say, cross it over. See, God, through the crossover, man, will bring you into prosperity. You don't even have to know where it's coming from. God said, I already got it. I already got it because I got you. See, if he can get you, he can get you to the money. See, too many of us are trying to get to the money without getting to God. God said, I got the money. If I can get you, I can take you to my money. I can take you to resources. I can make stuff come from places that nobody has ever seen before. I can bring resources from places nobody have ever gotten resources before. I can put you in front of great men because a man's gift will make space for him and take him before great men. Come on, somebody. See, it's good that you get the education. It's good that you do all of those things, but make sure you get God. Get God. Get God first. Put God first in everything in your life. Man, go for God with everything in you. Man, everything that has to go behind you, but go for God first. God has to be the centrality of your life. God has to be the one that you call out first. God has to be the one that you worship. Woo! Glory to God. See, when you're laying on the hands, it's a powerful thing to leave a blessing. And through the crossover, God was foreshadowing the cross of Calvary. Come on, somebody. That even though you should die and go to hell, God said, I'm crossing it over. Even while you was in the club drunk, God said, I'm crossing it over. You was getting ready to put that needle in your arm. God said, I'm crossing it. They don't even know it yet, but I'm going to raise them up. I'm going to turn that drunkard into a deacon. Come on, somebody. I'm going to turn that alcoholic into an apostle. I'm going to turn that prostitute into a prophet. Come on, somebody. Somebody said crossover. God will cross it over. Look at you. Look at where you came from. And God crossed that thing over. Look at how bad people talked about you. And God crossed that thing over. Look how family members said you'll never be anybody. God crossed that thing over. Don't matter where you came from. It don't matter who you were born through. What matters is do you have God? Because you're in a different family now. You're not an orphan. You're a son. Somebody say cross it over. We need to have some t-shirts that say cross over. Somebody put that thing together. Amen. That's that new. That's that new generation. It's the crossover generation because God has crossed us over from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Somebody say cross it over, baby. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, when God blesses you, you don't even have to worry about it. You don't have to apologize for it. You don't even have to tell people where it came from. They just know you blessed. They know you walking in a light, and they don't quite understand it. You walk in favor that they don't quite understand. And in your mind, you're saying crossover, baby, crossover, crossover. I know you don't understand right now. I know you don't understand why people are blessing me right now. I, don't, I know you don't understand why the doors are opening for me right now, because it's because of the crossover, baby. Somebody say crossover. Oh, my God. I hope you're happy in Jesus today. It's called the crossover. And I want to tell you a little bit more about the crossover. But first, I want to get you to the cross. Because I'm not under some illusion that everybody in here is saved. And just because you go to church don't mean you're saved. And you're not doing God a favor because you're here. But I do want to do you a favor. I want to introduce you to somebody that was introduced to me a long time ago. He crossed it over for me. Because my life was a hell. I was going to hell very fast. Liquor bottle was my God. Chasing women. Doing all kinds of nonsense. That was my lifestyle. But even with all of that, I was still void on the inside. I had nothing on the inside of me. But when I was introduced to this man named Jesus, he changed my life forever. And I don't have to get into different ethnic things that people get into about a white man's God. Because I'm going to just tell you this. I can care less what color he is. All I know is I was a sinner going to hell, and now I am saved going to heaven. So regardless of what his color is, he saved my broken behind. So I don't have to get into that illusion of he's black or he's white. I can care less. That, that, that don't matter. That don't matter to me. What I know is I was going to hell, and now I'm not. That's what I know. Now, he can keep you from going to hell, and I think it doesn't matter what color he is. If you reach out your hand, you wouldn't care. If he was pulling you out of fire, which is what he's doing today with the cross, it should not matter. The church should be the most diverse place for people. So I want to say to white people, it's okay, you can come to this church. And you can submit to a black man. And it's okay. You don't have to be afraid of us because I truly believe that might be some of the problem. We want to love on you. Forget about what historically people have taught you or trying to tell you today. The next great revival is coming from the church that's diverse. And I want you to be in the right place. And I know we're streaming this Facebook Live, so I'm saying to every white person, it's safe for you to come to C3 Church. It's okay, right? Because we can learn from each other. And I'm not scared to talk about issues in front of anybody because we do have some issues. But I know, I know somebody who can straighten out every issue. And I want to go beyond talking about it and being about it. Amen, somebody. I'm not trying to look good. I'm trying to be good. 
Thank you for listening. We pray that this message encouraged you. If you would like to learn more about C3 Church, please visit us in person in Indian Trail, North Carolina at 5805 West Highway 74, Indian Trail, North Carolina, 28079, or on the web, c3churchnc.org, or on facebook.com forward slash c3indiantrailnc.org.